Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Chip Frederick, will talk Vandy baseball. Chip appears on the guest line, sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Now, on to our interview with Chip Frederick. Chip Frederick joins us. Vanderbilt's got another series win in the book since we talked last. It slaughtered North Alabama and saw its non-conference RPI and strength of schedule take an absolute tumble by playing that game, but did get a win. Chip, thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Hey, Chris. Uh, good to hear from you again and good to be here on the pod. Um, yeah, that that North Alabama team wasn't very good, and uh, that happens midweek. You know, I was talking to a friend, former player, and I haven't, I've thought about this in the past, but never really have, you know, expressed it here. You know, these midweek games early in the season – when you're playing in February and you're playing these teams midweek, it's a lot different than playing midweek games in April. And the reason being is because early on, you've got these teams that are pitching their aces midweek. They don't have conference games to worry about on the weekend. They're playing conference. They're playing weekend games like you are, but they set their sights on knocking off, uh, you know, the top team. So you'll get a Wednesday pitcher. You'll get their ace in February or early March when it comes to, April, early May, they too have conference games, so they have to adjust accordingly, and you're not getting their best shot. Um, and I think that's what you 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 kind of see that in the records. You see a lot of upsets early in in February and March. Uh, although you did see Elon, didn't Elon beat Wake the other day? I mean, that was kind of unusual uh, midweek. So Elon's pretty uh, good, though. Yeah, Elon's a good team. Elon's a good program. Um, and Wakes has kind of been top five all year, but yeah, it's just uh, you're, you're seeing that happen in the in the RPI and their strength schedule falls and all those categories. But that's part of it. But uh, all in all, last week good week. You win two out of three, and you don't moan about that at all. If you're in this league, you just keep stacking conference series wins. And I mean, if you, if you win two out of three in this league, you're the probably the SEC champions of the regular season. And um, I think um, exposed a little some stuff last week uh, with the. The maybe the starting pitching depth, not that it's horrible, but you know you you get uh, Carter Holton sitting out, and that kind of bumps everybody down a couple notches as far as who to go to first in the pen and who's your starter, and and uh, made some uncharacteristic errors. But hey, we're not going to complain about winning two out of three on a road against a team in Missouri that's improved, and and uh, you know it's it it um, all in all is a good week, and all things point forward to uh, this weekend where. Um, you got, you know, a big six game, you didn't, you want to take them one series at a time, but, uh, you know, with South Carolina and UT back to back, uh, it's going to be, a, a very tough six games and you want to come out there with some victories. As someone who has spent his week absolutely pouring over SEC stats of every team of every sort, I still think without Holton, they probably got the best pitching staff in the league. And probably the next best is coming to town this weekend. 
Right. Uh, you know, South Carolina's, they've got some injuries themselves. I saw where uh, they've got uh, their number two guy, I think, is not starting. They're going to, you know, so no, every Hall. team's. He's out. Yeah, Hall's, yeah. he's not, he's not going to be, uh, he's going to be unavailable. I, I watched the uh, Mark Kingston press conference uh, this morning and, and he's out. So you, this part of the year, you're getting towards the midway point and everybody's got bumps and bruises and ailments and, and, uh, you know, Noah, Noah Hall, who was, you know, five and one on the seasons, not going to pitch this weekend. One of their better pitchers. So they're going to have to, there's two, they're scrambling as well, but, uh, they've got a good staff. You know, South Carolina has you know, you've, any sport, whether it's basketball in the non-conference slate, you've got, um, baseball in the non-conference slate where you get some confidence and you build some wins. You, you look at what they've done, which is a team rolling in here. It's 29 and four, and you know they didn't play a, a, a they always played Clemson but they played some uh, teams early on that were in nowhere comparison to what Vanderbilt played in in going neutral sites I mean they took care of the Pens and Queens College and UMass Lowell and scoring 20 runs and 17 runs and their margins of victory early were really really impressive they weren't playing anybody uh, but they did stack some wins but what that does is it it just it gets their, your team, your your young team especially, confident, and the bats going, and the crowds start coming out to the games. And you know they've also won thirty games. However, you want to slice it, uh, this team is coming in. They're nationally ranked. Uh, they're twenty nine and four, and and uh, it's going to be a, a big test for Vanderbilt. Um, that this team hits really well. They um, a lot of power numbers in in their lineup, and some familiar faces that will. Coming in here, uh, Gavin Cassis, who's having a heck of a year with 15 home runs, but he doesn't even lead the team in home runs. Ethan Petrie leads Petri. with 16. Oh, he's phenomenal. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so they've got some power numbers that are impressive and, and they're going to be hard to deal with this weekend. Yeah, the thing that concerns me about South Carolina, if you're Vanderbilt, is those guys hit a ton of home runs and there are days where the ball tends to get out. And, and, and oh, by the way, you've got a, a number three guy who's been – tremendous but he he does give up some fly balls i'm very interested to see how that all plays out yeah that park of theirs i mean they play the majority of their games at home and and i don't know what about it it's 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 not a shallow park it it kind of uh, has some area in the corners that and then it goes out deep but the ball tends to to launch out of there and um of course you got to have the ability to launch it too but Having four of their players in double figures and home runs at this point of the season, I, I don't care, you know who you are. Um, you, you still got to have the power to get it out. And and you look at Vanderbilt on the contrary, um, we don't have anybody in double digits and home runs. The the top being R.J. Shrek with eight, and they've got four uh, in double digits. 16, 15 in those numbers, twelve and another. So pretty impressive and a, a little contrast and. We'll just have to see which way the wind's blowing out this weekend. The Hawk can have can sometimes have its uh, wind tunnels, as I call them themselves, and um, we'll just have to see how the weather plays into it. But uh, impressive numbers by the Gamecocks. You know, they're they're a a team that all the success that they had on the national level for that three year run that they did was incredible, and then they sort of went through a a dry period here. And even Kingston in his tenure is you know he's he's not. This year, he went to a regional his first year um, with the Gamecocks, but you know, then you had the COVID year mixed in there. But you know, he's a guy who 
coached at Illinois State and then and then came to South Florida uh, for 2015, 16, 17 and took them to two regionals during that and then took the Carolina job in 2018, took them to a super the first year. And then they went two years on a little draw spell. You had the COVID year in 2020 and then took them to the regional in 21. And then last year they were under 500. So it has been up and down for him. But the faithful there that follow that team, the 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 following that they have uh, in, throughout the state of South Carolina and locally there in Columbia, their field is incredible, their stadium. And things are, you know, they've, they've rejuvenated that thing. And that, that happens when you win 29 games uh, at this point in the season. That's an elite team. I will say they did they did pile up some power numbers against the the soft underbelly of the schedule, which which Vanderbilt really didn't do. Of course, Vanderbilt was also playing UCLA in the Big Twelve and the Big Ten while Carolina was playing UMass Lowell or whoever. And I, I don't say that to, to slight Carolina, it's just some context. Because again, I, I think this is an elite team. I think it's a top five team nationally. I think it's gonna be one heck of an entertaining series. Yeah, and and they, um, you know, they themselves have gone through. They had LSU last week and only got to play two. And I remember on the podcast last week, I said, you know, we're going to really find out where they stack up as a team. They only got to play two games, but they themselves have. You know, Vanderbilt got us this weekend in three games, and they got to go to Florida. But we can sit here and talk about the proverbial gauntlet that everybody has to go through. I mean, Vanderbilt has this game this weekend. These three, they got. Tennessee next weekend for three. So everybody, you can just forget it. It, it, This league is so tough and balanced on generally that you're not going to have any cakewalks and you're eventually going to have, as Tennessee has this weekend, Tennessee has to go to Fayetteville and play three games. And then next week they got to host us. So it is definitely um, no weeks off in this league. And, and um, Carolina has got just as many, record that anybody does i want to backtrack a little bit to the midweek because there was something that that happened that that i wanted to to get into uh did you get a chance to watch colton region pitch i did i I did watch um i did go what get to watch him pitch um this week and um you know that was one of those games that kind of get some guys who haven't pitched at their first action um especially when it's 14 to 2 yeah, I mean, I'm I'm watching. I'm not expecting much because here's a kid his second year on campus. This is the first time he's seen action in a game in, in game what 33 of of his second year on campus, and it's in a you know a 12 run blowout or whatever. And I'm watching him throw, and it's I don't know 96, 97. He's got a breaking ball that's working. He's working fast. I'm like what. Where's this guy been? Has this been a a recent development? Is there something else going on? It's just an excess of riches, Chris, that um, you got guys throwing up or 90s, and and that was the first inning that they've seen. I mean, you've got – there are kids on this roster and looking the other day, you know, um, that haven't even played. I mean, look at – you know, and Cassis and the situation with Cassis, which we can get into. I mean, what the year he he had – he is having, but he's just a kid who came in highly touted, couldn't get on the field. And, you know, he wanted in this, in this era of the portal and easy transfers and departures, he went to a place that, you know, 
found a spot for him, whether I'm sure he had to earn it and wasn't guaranteed anything, but he has certainly paid dividends. And, you know, in, in the press conference, Mark Kingston said, you know, he was asked how he was approached that he was going to have with Gavin. And he said, you know, he's a Gamecock now, and I'm sure there'll be some emotions going back to Nashville, but he's going to have to just play it like, you know, get those emotions out early and, and play the game. Um, but man, it's, it's just in this day and age, especially the elite programs I've said all along, uh, I told someone last week, if I were a coach at Samford, Austin P Western Kentucky, Davidson, some of these mid majors, I would just have someone on my staff monitor the, the Gavin Cassis of the world. Of course, Cassis goes to South Carolina, so that's a little different. But just monitor these SEC and ACC programs, your top ones, and and watch the guys who aren't getting the at-bats, who aren't getting um, the playing time, the pitches, not getting the innings. Because, I mean, if you're throwing upper 90s and you're Colton Reed, I mean, that kid, case in point, local kid, Mount Juliet area. But, you know, you wonder if, if he's not – if he's got those intangibles and that ability – He's probably going to want to play. He's probably going to get a, get in action uh, sooner than the thirty second or third game of the season. And and um, again, I would just sit there and watch those numbers of our coach and build my roster. That's what Austin P's done. I, I think I told you they had eighteen new players this year. And while that's available and it's illegal, but you know, it, it, there's not many people. Once I've said this before, when I played. There were very few people who threw over 90. It, we had a couple people, three or four, and then most of them were at LSU. It was low 90s, but upper 90s is way different. It's way different uh, look to the batter, and that's impressive. So, yeah, it, it, it was interesting to see. Boy, he came off the field. He was fired up and energetic, and he got you know the team met him. So it was, it was a good success story, and, and maybe he'll get some more chances. Yeah, I think it was um, – was that a slider or a changeup he was throwing? I can't remember now. Because the I notes I had for it, preseason was the slider was more game-ready than the changeup. Yeah, I think it was more of a, a hard slider that he was throwing. But it was it was downhill <laughs> when watching yes, the – Yes, it was. Big reach back. And, um, so, you know, maybe this kid gets a chance. You, never, you, you have to capitalize when you're on a loaded staff and an elite program – if you're going to get your chances, you have to capitalize on them. And when you do, you get the ball perhaps in another situation. You know, Tim Corbin mentioned last week in his pregame that you know we're going to have some people who are going to get some action this week. Uh, Patrick Riley got in uh, last week. He hadn't thrown in a weekend in a long, long time. Definitely not an SEC weekend yet. Uh, and you know he threw a couple batters, maybe two, and got his chance, got in and out of there. And you get the ball back if you do well. Um, but if you have to, when you get the ball and you get the call in the bullpen, you have to be ready. And, and um, you know, we saw that. We've seen that a couple times in this business pitching staff in the last couple of years that kid goes out there and performs well and he gets another opportunity and builds on it. And, and that could be the, the case with some of these guys. But you, you, you just forget about, I mean, Dukanich hadn't pitched in how long? A month? I mean, you forget about that kid, and I he's a talented arm. I mean, Horn hadn't pitched yeah, in a month until, yeah. Right, and so, you know, you're starting to get some guys back. I know Dukanich pitched in the pen, supposedly got some work this past week or this week and in last week through a bullpen session. 
But, I mean, that's a talented arm. Uh, and he's only thrown six and a third all season. So you get – you know, you get some people back and you get some people who are sidelined and you got to just balance it out. And hopefully by May that everybody will be back in in the rotation, at least in your stable of pitchers that you can go to. Yeah, I mean, they've got. OK, Holton Hunter Futrell speaks for itself. Um, Maldonado speaks for itself. Laboki's been more good than bad. Dukanich, they thought Dukanich was maybe the fourth most valuable pitcher on their staff coming into the year. Right. Uh, which, which, you know, that's that's a pretty significant piece. You know, Schultz gave a better inning than he than he's given. I'm, I'm still not sure about that. When Cunningham has kind of come back down to earth a little bit more recently, but I mean, they still got Grayson Moore when he's healthy. I don't know what the deal is there. They still got Ginther, who they can use for a couple of batters. Jack Anderson is a guy that can eat an inning or two in a spot when you need it. Grayson Carter's a midweek starter. Um, yeah, I don't know that you how much you see him in the postseason. Horn really looks like a usable piece right now. J.D. Thompson, I think there's been a little bit more there with him than they thought they'd get coming in. I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't know. And again, I'm, I'm looking at everybody in the SEC and the numbers they're putting up. And theirs are so far ahead of everybody else's right now. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned J.D. Thompson. I mean, he, that's a kid who's almost like Colton Regan, who who just got his opportunity a little bit earlier than he did, and he was given the ball and threw well in that, I think it was that 16-inning game a couple weeks ago. Was that the Evansville game? I think he got in some action yeah. um, and turned to him. So he, you know, he could be a lefty. He could get some people out. So, yeah, up and down the lineup, and, and only Dukanich – I mean, he was a guy who was getting the ball midweek early on, first couple games in in those midweek games. So they get those kids back and and keep everybody else healthy. Then I, I, f- I feel good about it. But yeah, it's just an excess of riches when you got that that many. And we've talked about Maldonado only throwing seventeen innings um, so far this year because he hadn't needed to. When he comes in, it's usually to get six outs, maybe maybe some, sometimes only three outs. And, um, you know, it, it just – he keeps con- continuing to be steady. Maldonado, steady presence with 18 strikeouts and 17 innings. What did you make and, – and, of course, I wasn't there and I was – Saturday was crazy. I was getting ready for the spring game, doing some other stuff. And so my my attention to detail was was lacking, and so it might have been mentioned somewhere on a post-game show or a broadcast, but what was the deal with Maldonado not being in the lineup that final game in Columbia? You know, I don't know that. I thought he would uh, He would definitely uh, – are you talking about not being – not getting the ball earlier than he did or, or... – No, no, I'm sorry. Wrong Maldonado, Chris. Chris was oh, not in the starting okay. lineup because yeah, okay. they went Espinal behind the plate and Bolger at DH. You know, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, that one kind of, um, you know, that that was interesting to me, but I, I didn't have any info or about that. Um, you know, that, that kid has been steady the entire season as a freshman and, and um, playing well beyond his years. But not sure if I was just giving somebody another opportunity or not, but I, I didn't think anything about it. Um, than than what happened and you know he got he was back in the lineup on against North Alabama um went one for three uh, but you know I, I didn't I didn't pick up on any reasoning behind that or not 
Yeah, I, I hadn't either. Um, Corbin's gotten some criticism for keeping Bolger in that cleanup spot. I don't know that that's completely unwarranted. I might have him in the lineup. I, I think I would have him in the lineup somewhere. I just don't know if that's the spot to hit him. Your, your thoughts on that one? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. One topic of conversation has been Jack Bolger and where he's hitting, that it's too high in the order. What are your thoughts on that? Because he's been hitting cleanup for a while now. And and Jack's having a good year, but I don't know that it's, it's uh, hitting cleanup in this offensive environment kind of year. Yeah, that's, that's one that is um... – you know, batting 228 of the regulars, he's at the bottom of the pile. Um, you know, he's, it, it, uh, he had the, the, at the beginning of the season, that little stretch where he didn't play particularly well and Espinal got in the lineup and then Bolger had his breakout against Belmont midweek. And since then has maintained his position behind the plate. And then you see Espinal catching the midweek game against North Alabama and hit one off the fence. Uh, you know, and when Espinal gets it and, and, um, gets a hold of the baseball and barrels it up. He, he's, he shows his talent. Um, he also had a couple of good throws down to second base. Again, it was Northern Alabama, but you just, you, you, I had that highlighted on my stat sheet this week is wondering how long they're going to keep up with that and whether they're going to platoon or do something differently because of the, of the regulars, again, he's hitting 228 and he's 50 points below He's 50 points below the eighth guy um, as far as if you take the nine regulars. And and that's – we're not getting into danger area below the Mendoza line, but it's – it's you're at 228 and you need to get better at that. So, yeah, and whether you move him out, Chris, you move him to a different part of the lineup, I, I think my – maybe it's time for that. I can understand the criticism. Um, I'd like to have a guy with a little more punch in there, and, and perhaps you could see that this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at I, I got my whole runs created formula for everybody throughout the all the games and and here's how here's how it goes. Shrek is creating right now 14.4 runs per 27 outs and it goes Maldonado 10.9, Bradfield 10.7, Espinal surprisingly 9.2. Um I think that's a little overachieving, but the number is what it is. Polk, 8.8. Diaz, 8.8. Austin, 7.6. Nolan, 7.3. Vastine, 6.7. And Boulder, 6.2. So he is the least productive hitter of the regulars, although, again, that, that does factor in a, a slow start. 
Yeah, and and you know, when those numbers that speaks for itself. I mean, not only in the batting average, but what you're getting there. So um, I'm not saying take him out of the lineup, but I, I think that's that four spot where you're getting that extra at bat from where you're you're batting, and in, in the order from one through nine, that's a that's a pretty important spot. And you could very well see, as I said, this weekend they kind of tinker with that, especially with the with the arms that South Carolina has. Maldonado is also hitting. 395, 487, 21 in the league. Right. Yeah, he seems to – Chris Maldonado is not afraid of SEC weekend pitching, I tell you that much, at least the ones he's seen. Now, we've talked about this. If anybody's gotten a break the first couple weeks of the season for the first nine games, playing three of the teams that are maybe um, the weaker pitching staffs in the league currently, um, especially with Ole Miss's – you know, having the arm injuries that they've had, but in, he he does not shy away from the weekends, and really that's where he's he's done a lot of his damage, surprisingly, um, with his uh, being a freshman. Yeah, Bolger in the league is hitting two fifty, three thirty nine, four oh five. Um, best three hitters in the league by far have been Maldonado. I just ran off his stats. Shrek has hit four oh four, five hundred, eight fifty one. Uh, that's on base. Excuse me, batting average on base and slugging, and Bradfield's really picked it up. He's gone 381, 559. That's incredible in 738 in SEC games. Those are some dawning numbers for sure. And, uh, you know, you talk about South. Mark Kingston was asked this week about, and everybody seems to, to dwell on how Vanderbilt did early in the season compared to what they were doing now. They were at the bottom of the league, and now they're at the top of the league and hitting. And what was the tr- transformation uh you know extension cold weather climate colder weather climate perhaps or you know hitting not catching up to the pitching so on and so forth but boy that transformation came quickly and it was all about what was it a month ago midweek when it all started we we talked about how the belmont game there were games yeah the belmont game at at um at the, at the Sounds Park, and then everything kind of just exploded after that. So I can understand it's a head scratcher for a lot of teams when you're looking at it and trying to see what the true numbers are. But you got to go with what's happened as of late in conference play for your for your kind of uh, measuring stick, and that's uh, what everybody's going to go with. Yeah, that game was exactly a month ago. We're doing this on the 13th. That was March the yeah. 13th, and they've been on the heater ever since. Now Missouri did slow them down a bit, but that's a hitter's part, or excuse me. That's a that's a pitcher's park. Um, at least that's what the the D one baseball guys were talking about this weekend. I don't know the the metrics on it, so I can't go anymore. I'll just take their word on it. But here's some stats in SEC play for the hitters that stand out: twenty two or twenty five in steals. That puts a lot of pressure on defenses. Uh, teams, by the way, fielding nine sixty three against them. I don't know how much that is. They're facing some crappy defensive teams. Mississippi State for sure would be one of those. Or how much of that is you just put so much pressure on other teams? I think that's got to be a factor, especially with the Bradfield and some guys who can run in there. Let's see, anybody? Bradfield's 10 of 11 in steals. Nobody else has stolen more than two in the league except for Hewitt, who's three for three. They're hitting, they've are they got a 436 on base percentage in, in league games. On base percentage is the most important offensive stat in baseball. That's That's elite. And they are – Striking out 84 times to 64 walks, that is also a pretty exceptional number. And then again, that's also in SEC games. Yeah, just and, and overall, if you look at the numbers, Vanderbilt has stolen about, what, 
25 more bases overall in overall games. I mean, they're Vanderbilt's 54-67 in stolen bases in South Carolina. Um, their numbers are about 20 off that. So definitely team speed, you know, you look at – that's definitely something teams have to prepare for. They were talking about, you know, how do you prepare for Bradfield? What do you got to do? You got to vary your looks. You've got to be able to – throw over, make good pickoff moves, make him work for it. That's, you know, that's kind of the book on, as always on Bradfield, but you got to keep him off base, first of all, because with those numbers, uh, he continued, he's 25 to 29. If, if, if we was, again, few more caught stealing than he's had in the past, we've all, but those are mainly weeks ago when that happened. And he's been picked off a few times too, but you got to keep, you got to keep him off first. And that was a problem earlier on the year that Bradfield wasn't getting to the position of walking or getting base hits or getting on first to steal bases. And then when he did, he had a little trouble there for about a week or two when he got caught. But uh, I think I think you're going to see some things on display this weekend, mainly, you know, South Carolina's power numbers. Is Vanderbilt going to be able to contain them, hold them at bay? Vanderbilt's speed, Vanderbilt's offensive output, uh, obviously – and then I think the storyline of the games this weekend, too, are going to be how will the two teams, depending if Holton pitches, how will the two teams adjust pitching-wise with, undoubtedly, right now, the Vanderbilt's Friday night starter if he doesn't go. And we, as of this broadcast, I don't, or this podcast, I don't think we know that. And then with South Carolina, as I mentioned, not having um, their team leader in wins and wins and Noah Hall. That's how that's played out, I think, are key components this weekend, all those things I mentioned. Yeah, I I, th- I would be very surprised if we saw Carter Holton this weekend. Now, I do think we will see him against Tennessee. But any parting thoughts on on Vanderbilt baseball that we've not gotten into? No, I, I just think um, this team continues to be consistent. Um, last weekend, a little bump in the road and a little chink in the armor that the, the game too and unusual when you've been programmed to winning this many games in a row and a team hits a walk-off on, on you and uh but they adjusted well on on saturday i keep wanting to say sunday these thursday friday saturday games the game three and and held missouri at bay so uh, nothing to panic about um but I, I think um this weekend's a true test these next six are going to be really big um but they're all big and um Need to have a big crowd out the hawk um, cheering these guys on because they're playing some good baseball. They're putting it together still, and and um, we'll just see how good South Carolina is. Again, we saw them one and one against LSU, who is one of the country. So you got a team in South Carolina playing to back to back weekends against top four or five, depending on what poll you look at, and sizing them up. Albeit they got to go on the road this weekend to play us here, but, um, I'm interested to see how they, they, they are. I'm, I'm interested to see how Cassis does coming home after whether, whether, what he's going to be doing and, and seeing if we can hold balls in the ballpark, if our pitching staff can keep them at bay and because they are, um, they do have some undoubtedly, um, power numbers that are matched by very few in the country right now and seeing if we can hold them at bay and, and get some more victories here in Nashville. I'm going to put you on the spot. I've never done this before. Give me a pick for the oh. weekend. Pick for the weekend. Um, I think it um, Vanderbilt takes it two out of three. There'll be close games. Um, um, which game I think um, they take, I'm not going to get into that. I think the uh, Sunday favors Vanderbilt, 
I think with as far as if you go with pitching depth um, and the number of power arms, I think the Sunday game just probably in Sunday's kind of the grab all game in this league. You see a lot of crazy scores, but I'm going to take Vanderbilt two out of three, uh, but I think there'll be close games. I don't think there'll be blowouts either way. Um, very important to get that game one. And, you know, there, there've been some talk and if you're not going Holton Friday, there's been some talk about, you know, from, from some that I talked to, why don't you just bump everybody up? And if you're going to go Cunningham, you know, why don't you just bump everybody up one and you, you, um, inst- you know, Saturday starter goes to Friday, Sunday starter goes, you know, Futrell goes Saturday and then you, you pitch your, and I don't know what you think about that. Um, but we're talking about a man who's a creature of habit. Um, do you mess with the, then you all of a sudden you're messing with the schedule of the other two pitchers rather than just changing it for one. I'm not sure your thoughts on that, but um, if Holton doesn't go on Friday, what do you think about that as far as moving by everybody up one? Well, look, you're the guy who pitched in college and I'm not, but I'm guessing that if, if it's literally just for one more week that he misses that he's back next weekend, which is what I heard Friday night last week. Then I think you probably don't mess with that and move guys up because it, it probably messes with their rests and their bullpen days and whatever. I don't know how fragile that ecosystem of arms is. But to, to me, to me, I don't think I make a change unless what I got was wrong and Holton is out for beyond this week and, and that extends into next week and beyond. You, you tell me. Yeah, because if if it is something, I think it'll tell us a lot. If they did that, then it tells you that um, things are a lot worse with Carter Holton and his and whatever's ailing him. Because you're right, you want to get things back on track for the next weekend. So I can see it both ways. That just that Friday night game is so important in this league. It is so vital to get that game won, especially at home. There's almost a pressure for that home team to do, get that Friday night win and. Um, so I, I, knowing Tim Corbin and knowing history here, I would think probably he'll keep it the same if Holton doesn't go and he'll plug somebody in. I, I, they haven't named anybody, right? Is it just TBA? Is it? Uh, I haven't seen yet. In fact, I'm going to check my email while we're doing this okay. and see if the SEC has sent out anything for the weekend or Vanderbilt has for that matter. What's your confidence level in your answer? Would it be over or under 5.8%? <laughs> I know where you're going there. Um, <laughs> I don't know what 5.8% is. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. No, no, no. But I, I don't. I, I doubt they haven't released it yet. They probably this afternoon. But no, um, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. So if I'm guessing, I think they'll probably just keep it the same. But if they do move it, I think that tells you because then again, you, it it changes things for Knoxville next weekend. So. But I'm guessing you put me on the spot. I say we take two out of three in two hard-fought wins and a third game that could go either way. But, uh, um, you know, this team beat beat the Tigers, top-ranked team of the country last weekend at home, and it was, a, it was a big win for them. So they're coming in confident, and that's just the way I see it. Hope I'm right. Chip, that, I know it is. That, uh, that conference uh, wins and series wins. So – Two out of three is what I'm calling, and hope I'm right. We'll see you out the hawk, hopefully. 
All right. Uh, I know you, you may be in the real estate business. You may know a little bit about that. It's it's uh, that time of year where people are, are buying and selling houses. All kinds of people are buying and selling houses and putting places on the market, Chip. Uh, what, what can you tell anyone who'd be interested in that kind of thing? Well, our company, Frederick and Clark Realty, has been around for over 60 years. We've got two offices, one in Brentwood and one in Green Hills and over 180 agents. And you mentioned, yeah, it is that time of year. It's a hot market. I read a story this weekend that was interesting about Nashville with the rising interest rates and the rising prices of homes. A lot of areas when people moving into Nashville are coming more popular than they have ever before. Some areas north of town, Madison, White's Creek area, which is uh, it's kind of becoming a growing area. You've got some areas, of course, Spring Hill. And, and those are the ones that to people moving to Nashville are the more affordable areas than living in the inner core. You know, God didn't make more dirt than he did. There's no there's no more dirt. There you used to all your dirt and all that was in Williamson County, but with farms and all that got gobbled up with subdivisions. So there's no more dirt being made. So what do you got to do if you want to come to Nashville and live in the inner core? A lot of people are tearing down houses and and doing rebuilds. So I had some interesting stories about that. Some nice homes that are older just getting leveled and people doing new builds on it because that's the only thing they can find. But my point is, if if you need some help in moving to Nashville or selling your home, some of these areas of town that used to be areas that you wouldn't even think of living in just because they're distance to Nashville, it, you know, they're becoming, becoming more popular than ever before. And we've got agents who know those areas that can help in your home search or your sell search uh, as far as selling your home and moving somewhere else in Nashville or moving out of town. And that's where our agents come in in handy. We've got 180 agents. As I mentioned, they're very experienced. They know all the areas in Middle Tennessee and would love to help you, whether you're buying or selling. So give me a call. You can call me personally at the office, 615-327-4800. Check us out on the web of the inventory. We've got search engines on our site that can give you a, tell you how much your house, house is on your street if you pass by a house. Pass by one of our signs or our fellow partners in the Middle Tennessee area. We can find out what that house is worth, how many bedrooms, baths, the price, all that. And it's all on our website at frederickandclark.com. So give me a call personally. Check us out on the web and love to help you uh, help the listeners of this podcast for their um, home, their real estate needs, whatever they may be. Thanks, Chip. We'll catch you next week. Okay, Chris. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.